Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Introductions, because the characters in this film have like three names apiece or something. It's like watching an Avengers movie, except entirely not. Anyway, <laughs> we are doing uh, for Spooky Month Silent Hill Revelation Singular. Um, missed out on the good subtitle there. Good subtitle. Uh, silent but violent could have been a good one. <laughs> um, I don't know a... them... Oh, sorry. Sorry, I've missed a, I've missed the crucial thing, haven't I, Rory? It's actually called Silent Hill Revelation 3D. That's if you were lucky enough to see it in cinemas. Um, did you see it in cinemas or a cinema? No, this was I was popping my cherry for Silent Hill 2 uh, this time around. Now we've done the first Silent Hill some time ago, and I think I think it was both... our last Halloween season. Oh groovy well like we've sent before a lot of these video game movies are kind of very well not for kids or maybe if you're a bad parent they are for your kids i'm not judgy though i just called you a bad parent okay let's get back on track <laughs> um i think we're both pretty keen on or oh gosh do you remember what we like if we liked the last one i think we quite liked the production design and i thought it was quite spooky Yes, I mean you can listen to our episode on Silent Hill if you want our full thoughts, and we we delved into the game series and our experience with this, and our experiences with those as well. But I think the general feeling was, at least from my perspective, it was one of the top tier video game movie adaptations. A lot of that is borrowed style and aesthetics and concepts and music uh, quite heavily. Um, rather than necessarily it being the finest quality um, motion picture event, um, you could uh, get on DVD now, I guess, stream it, whatever. I think it's pretty good. Um, but yes, Silent Hill Revelation was all new to me, and um, I think it's appropriate to cover it in spooky season, considering the tagline was this Halloween, prepare for a 3D ride through hell. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's a claim. I can, you just imagine the marketing guy saying, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. <laughs> I, just, I, I had to try and get 3D in there somewhere and I did it. <laughs> yeah, suffice it to say, I have never even seen this on, in 3D and I don't think I'm ever gonna. It is a DVD though I own. Um, I bought it. Um, around about the time we start this podcast when I was going through that thing of oh I'm, I best get this film, I best get this film sort of supermarket sweeping CEX and finally, finally it's paid off but it did mean I get I got to listen to the uh, DVD commentary which I found really interesting I mean I'll go as far to say I, pref I enjoyed it more than the film um, <laughs> because this 
like my favorite DVD commentaries. This came out a few. I think his commentary was done some time after the film had come out, and I don't understand why that is. But he hasn't seen it for a little while, um, and he talks about using brand new 3D cameras and how you know, this this was like the very first time like red 3D cameras were being used. I think we mentioned those before. I think for Resident Evil Afterlife, it was this, he, he mentioned the, in the commentary. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was just fascinating window into. Into, it was just quite candid is what I'm trying to say he was making they were making these this film with cameras which no one used, knew how to use and actually they weren't getting any support at all from Red he went on to say and yeah. so that's why there's no steady cam in the movie because they couldn't get this, the new 3D cameras to work with steady cam and so and like I said he's really candid and he starts and I think even ends his commentary by saying um, if you're listening to this commentary and you love it, great. If you hate it, you'll want to hear my excuses. And then he ends it with saying, um, if you didn't like the movie, I hope you understand more about it. And um, I think that's like a legit what, legit what happened. I understood a lot. <laughs> I, I, um, we'll get into exactly how I feel about the movie in a bit, but I just I just like the little history lesson and the um, I learned stuff. <laughs> I learned stuff in this commentary. Interesting to point out, so the director is M.J. Bassett, and uh, the director is a British director and has since actually come out as trans. Um, so okay. we will refer to her as uh, she and her from now on. I had no idea. Cool. So her background is actually in kind of horror, um, and I think first came onto the scene with the Brit World War One trench horror film Death Watch, um, starring Jamie Bell and Andy Serkis, and uh, mm-hmm. messing around with some spooky shit and barbed wire monster stuff. I think in the trenches, uh, they then... saw and they saw that film and thought perfect for Silent Hill, barbed <laughs> wire, spookiness, um, and then made Solomon Kane. Um... That is the worst film I've ever seen in the cinema. <laughs> And you saw House of the Dead. <laughs> I know. I was viciously. De- I um. So I was enjoying this commentary, and I was like, "Oh, what did they do?" And then, like, I almost spat up my drink <laughs> because <laughs> it was like, I don't know why. I had like really high hopes. Like, I'm not a reader of Solomon Kane, um, and I'm. I just. I just. It's just like dumb fun. I think I liked Jane Purefoy. I think that's what dragged me in, and it was like. It was like, well, it's a really weird experience where I was like, this has all the things I want. It's got monsters, it's got violence, it's got action. Why am I hating this? <laughs> and I've not watched it since. I think it was just miserable. It's not fun in the slightest. I couldn't remember whether it was a film you really liked or really hated. I, I just yeah. I remember that you saw it and had a reaction. So It's like I, I bought um, American Pie, uh, the album. It's like, what's, what's that? Who, who did that? Don McLean, I think. That's the one. I knew my wife had a really strong reaction to that song, but I couldn't remember if she liked it or hated it. When I saw it in the charity shop, I decided to pick it up and I put it on and she's like, Harry, (laughs) (laughs) I really hate this song. Why are you playing it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. It's always like you sort of prepare dinner and then it's just like, now 
do they really hate mushrooms or do they really love mushrooms? I know. I remembered your emotional response like you did with me and Solomon Kane. But, you know, what was even worse is that as a cherry shop vinyl record, it skipped right throughout like the spoken intro. It was just like the worst version of the, of the <laughs> least favorite song. Well done. Good, good husband points. <laughs> I know. But you know what? If that was in a, a scene from a Silent Hill movie, it would, it would totally work. Yeah. Like, my, 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 American pie. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, so since Silent Hill Revelation, um, the director, she's done episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead, Altered Carbon, Iron Fist, and more recently seems to be focusing on uh, angry African wildlife uh, action thrillers. <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to say documentary. I thought like you know, the, the Africa's most angriest lion. Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> well, not a documentary, but there is a film called Road where Megan Fox is chased around by a very angry lion. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know. Barring, by, barring Silent Hill and Solomon Kane, you've just listed loads of films I kind of been thinking about seeing, but I've never been bothered to actually watch so um i I think i'll start with that megan fox lion movie and um, go from there okay but to bring this back to the original silent hill movie what's uh i guess commendable but maybe ultimately to the detriment of of this film and we'll we'll go into our thoughts um soon uh is that this is a sequel it's a direct sequel to the original movie the original writing and directing team for that film uh, do not return but the producing team and a few key cast members do make a reappearance uh, for Silent Hill Revelation um, made uh, that was released in 2012 I think the first Silent Hill film was that 2006 it feels very 2006. I think you're right. Regardless, this also takes its cues predominantly from Silent Hill 3. Um, and having not played Silent Hill 3, I can't say exactly how closely it follows the plot, but a side-by-side Wikipedia synopsis comparison would suggest that it generally follows the um, the character of this uh, Heather Mason, who is called back to Silent Hill, or maybe it's her first time there, or maybe she actually has a past there, or, you know, whatever, that kind of speaky <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, so it, 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 in some respects, it's like a sort of adaptation of Silent Hill 3, as well as trying to be a continuation of the first film at the same time. Does it succeed in doing so? And does it succeed in entertaining? This is where we're going to put in the trailer, I guess. Day of school. You know, I worry. Don't worry. 
me and my dad would move around. This is the fifth school I've been to since I was 11. Someone following me. Come back here, Sharon. Love you. Thanks for walking me back. Yeah. Dad! What's going on? I know that symbol. This is it. Do you know what that is? Father. The darkness is coming. It's safer to be inside. Run! It's a key. What does it unlock? The true nature of things. You were chosen to destroy the demon. Do you want to do a back of the box synopsis? The box is on the other end of the room. Hang on. <laughs> Are you out of breath? Oh, for fuck's sake. How many DVDs have you watched since you saw it? Is it like underneath a stack of them? I, um, I'm still trying to look for it. I picked up the box for her event horizon. I could read the box for that. <laughs> Hang on. Heather Mason. Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> I'm gonna put this, I have to put my headphones down to look. Hang on. And sorry, there's no. Sorry, the next video box I picked up was like for Scream, which features a white face with somebody's mouth covered. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Why don't you just put on your glasses? Yeah, hang on, bear with. Cue Jake Lloyd in Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace saying, Now this is podcasting. I found it. Great. Do you want to do the CEX challenge? How much do you think I got it for? I'm going to say £1. Wait, is it DVD or Blu-ray? Ah, too late. Too late. Twice the price, but is it twice as good? Well, the sticker is over any sort of magazine quote. Oh, here we... Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 So, the sticker from CEX uh, had covered the quote and I did not expect the quote to be film of the year. <laughs> to Must be have fair, been a pretty slow year. <laughs> to be fair, it is from Dean Bohr from Shock Horror Magazine. So I, I'm assuming, you know, horror film of the year, perhaps. But anyway. I mean, like, the... it is literally a film of that year so it's not wrong that is true if it doesn't say the film of the year anyway 
uh, contains strong gory, gory violence. Uh, break the silence. On the eve of her 18th birthday, plagued by terrifying nightmares and the disappearance of her father, Heather, Adelaide Clemens, discovers she's not who she thinks she is. The revelation revelation, leads her deeper into a dark and powerful world that threatens to trap her in the nightmare of Silent Hill forever. This thrilling adaptation of the groundbreaking video game franchise features stellar performances from Sean Bean, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, Adelaide Clemens, X-Men Origins Wolverine, The Great Gatsby, Kit Harrington, Game of Thrones, Carrie-Anne Moss, The Matrix and Disturbia, and Malcolm McDowell, A Clockwork Orange, The Artist. The Artist? Is he in the silent he... film Artist? Yep. I forgot he said that. I mean, the thing is, when Malcolm McDowell shows up in this film, my heart kind of sank, but not too far, because I know he'll be in fucking anything. <laughs> but I still didn't want to see him in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, has he been in an Uwe Boll movie as well? I kind of feel like he has. It's one of those things where if we did not have the internet, we would not be able to confirm or deny, because mm. it's so tangibly possible. Yeah. And yet, I do not believe it to it is actually true, but I would not be surprised. <laughs> like, I also completely forgot that Carrie Ann Moss was in this until, like, her name came up in the credits because she has no eyebrows in this film, and that does absolutely hide who a person is. So, like, when she appears on screen, I was thinking, who is this actress? I think I recognise her. And then I decided, no, I probably don't. She's some shit no-name actress I've never heard of who we could only get the Silent Hill to and then i felt a bit uh, abashed <laughs> it's like and like oh so like you don't give a shit about an actress if harry hasn't heard about her <laughs> i mean i actually have seen x-men uh origins wolverine i'm assuming she having not seen that film since i saw it in cinemas i think she probably plays wolverine's wife who does get fridged at some point i'm gonna but like you're talking about the actress who plays Heather, so like Wolverine's wife is like <laughs> what like in her mid teens. I um yeah yes <laughs> why not? <laughs> oh Logan, just because you're ageless doesn't mean age doesn't have a number. <laughs> so. With, with the DVD box out of the way, uh, we'll go into sort of light conversation and then we'll announce one of the spoilers. Um, I I think I meant, I think you got a vibe out of what I was thinking. I, I really didn't enjoy this film very much <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was watching it. But like I said, the, the DVD commentary literally turned me around slightly because so, I have sort of technically watched this twice now. And, you know, it, it's... It, I wouldn't recommend watching it with the commentary first, but also also wouldn't recommend watching it without the commentary. So you're kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> stuck um, in a weird watch or do not watch Schrodinger's cat sort of fog Silent Hill limbo. <laughs> I know. It's, um, I know you can, you can just use the uh, iconography and of Silent Hill so well to describe so much. But um, <laughs> I think it wasn't helped by the fact that I'm not a player of the Resident Evil Resident Evil, Jesus Christ! I'm not, a, I'm not a player of the Silent Hill 
games that much. I certainly I don't know the plot of Silent Hill 3, so I wasn't getting that sort of frisson of excitement out of it. It hasn't has been like a t- some time since seeing the first film, so I was just so deeply confused by the start of this because I thought I literally thought the main character was like an entirely new foster daughter that Sean Bean Sean Bean loses his wife and child, his foster child in the first film, and somehow is allowed to look after another daughter. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no questions asked. He's like, yeah, we'll lose. Second second time lucky, I guess. Um, so that was really confusing. There's so much exposition and lore in this film just said to you. And again, mm. to the director's credit, they say, wow, this is a really like awkward scene, isn't it? And I, I, always, <laughs> like, I always get amused by that. It's like, yeah, we, yeah, we tried. But, uh, but yeah, it just doesn't seem to have the style of finesse of the first film as well i think that's what saved the first film it had a sort of like apocalyptic hellraiser on steroids vibe and i think partly because it was shot in 3d um the lighting is a lot flatter and less the cinematography is less interesting and it definitely looks kind of cheaper and cleaner at the same time yeah but like i said i watched it thinking why is everything so flat why is the I remember the darkness in Silent Hill was in deep shadows and it was scary and there was like perhaps I think no fluorescent lighting or anything um but in this one it was there's like a sequence in a in like a well here's the thing there's a sequence in like a corridor which I've learned in the commentary was from a TV show which got cancelled so it was like a cop shop it was like a police station which they dirtied up for the for the film but it still looks like a cheap tv set and like i said the it's really flatly lit but then the director said i don't really like 3d films really (laughs) because they because they because they look so dark and i'm making a horror film and it's meant to be dark so i can only imagine that they boosted the lighting to make it look better in 3d but ipso facto if you're watching it in any other format, which will also be the predominant format, it's going to look a bit lame. It's not entirely about merit, though, but that's my opening thoughts. What did you think of... Uh, what's is, what is your revelation for Silent Hill? <laughs> um, well, like like I said, I hadn't played Silent Hill 3, and so, yes, when you were talking about references and, and things, like, I knew what the main character looked like, and so when she gets this kind of, like, pullover vest jacket thing as a kind of preemptive birthday gift it's just like oh that's like the jacket she's wearing from the games um so i knew that much um and there's definitely things where it's just like i don't know if that's a reference but it probably is and then you look it up later it's like oh yeah that's definitely a reference like there's a motel room and inside there's just like a single red slipper just lying there it's like is that a wizard of oz thing Uh, it's maybe that but it's also in the game and later on there's like they're in this uh, abandoned, scary asylum, and there's like specific, you know, so and so is an S12, and it's just like, oh, turns out S12 is something in the game. Anytime they name a place like 
Happy Burger or Lakeland Amusement Park or the yeah. mall. I was like, what an unusual name for a burger joint. It sounds like the kind of thing a Japanese video game developer would name an American burger joint. I know. And you know what? It is. <laughs> yeah. So all those things just like, you know, it's like, I get this as a thing. I will, I assume this is a reference because it's so weirdly framed and presented so I just let that slide. But despite having not played Silent Hill 3 or anything like that, I'm going to say that I did sort of enjoy this movie. Probably like... That sounds that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> not, not necessarily in the way that was probably intended the whole time. There was definitely... I, I think it's one of those things, and we've said before, I'd rather watch something bad, but has some entertainment value than something which is just boring and i didn't mm. find this film boring and i think some of that is down to the fact that i laughed out loud several times when i probably was not supposed to <laughs> um but and you know i think part of it is like yeah i'm watching it at halloween it's spooky time and you do have this as i said the borrowed visuals and aesthetics a little bit filtered like it's borrowed from the first film which is borrowed from the games i don't think this this doesn't feel like it went back to the games to to gain anything it feels like they just had like hand-me-down ideas and concepts and there's like you know there's monsters which make an appearance but they're not really as interesting as they're either like the same as the monsters from the first film or they're like less interesting ideas and maybe again these come from silent hill through the game but uh, there wasn't really anything new in terms of the uh there wasn't there wasn't really anything like exciting about the new monster menagerie that we see in in this film so it is like you know pretty i wouldn't say watered down but like you say it's, it's sort of like very flatly shot it doesn't really have like a feel doesn't capture the feeling of the first film nor does it have a feeling of its own to really present to the table but i kind of enjoyed it in a like in spite of <laughs> the the you know general ropiness on display um and we can kind of like get into the details um in a, in a in a bit but i think it's probably only as bad as the resident evil movies at their worst what does that mean again <laughs> it's only well, as I... bad as the resident evil movies at their worst i'm like okay it's like <laughs> pretty bad then <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but you know, it's it's all relative on the Games on Film podcast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I suppose. Worst Resident Evil movie is still around about the middle of like mm. all the movies that we've done. So, uh, and it sort of you know skirts towards, I guess, top tier Uber Bowl. <laughs> you know, we need all, we need like a, a Nando's spice chart. I think for games <laughs> and film now with like a dripping <laughs> bottom of shite. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how else we can do this I mean, now. Like safe to say, it's nobody's finest work, but 
for here for it maybe <laughs> well yeah I, I i think you know for about 90 minutes or so i had a bit of a chuckle a bit of a cringe a bit of a wince and a bit of a well great i've seen silent hill revelation now i can move on with my life <laughs> <laughs> took that off the old bucket list <laughs> wingsuits Swimming of Dolphins, <laughs> Silent Hill Revelation, tick. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I think we should go into spoilers now. Um, so here's your siren. Uh, I'm not going to recreate that. I think you liked it a bit more than me. I, I, I actually did find it boring. Um, I was kind of amazed that it took 40 minutes to get into Silent Hill. Uh, so that's like halfway through the film, just shy of halfway through the film. Um, now, technically, there is darkness at the first half. Um, the whole point of the film is that Heather is now grown up. Um, she was... Sharon. Uh, but also Alyssa? <laughs> yes, maybe. Okay, so just just to, just to recap. <laughs> the film, The first film ends with... The hero, heroine, Rose, um, and Sharon stuck in Silent Hill because they drive home. And we definitely get the impression that Sean Bean playing a character called Harry um, is like he's still lost without them. But then, like, if this film starts... So this is why I was confused. This film starts with Heather having nightmares in her bed and then her dad comes in. I'm like, oh, did he like rename his foster daughter the name of his last foster daughter? Um, are you with me so far? Am I making any sense? I think, yeah, let's just, you know, as I understand it, and I think this is where the film starts and what we're meant to think. Heather is formerly Sharon, but mm -hmm. she has been returned from Silent Hill because we see a flashback of Christopher who is now named Harry because oh, we mentioned in the first podcast that you, you we were upset that there was Harry washing going on <laughs> removing the character of Harry and replacing it with Christopher oh. so Christopher Sean Bean he is now renamed Harry Sharon is now renamed Heather they are on the run the reason they are on the run is because it turns out Harry killed a man. And that's why Sharon Heather thinks they are so on the run. Mean, did you mean Christopher killed a man? <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know whether he killed him as Christopher or Harry. Presumably as Christopher and then changed his name to Harry. And like we've got these like two flashbacks, which are kind of important story beats. But like they decided to fit these these this important stuff should only happen in between films to be flashbacked to. Yes. And I think this this killing comes from the games, if I if I'm correct. I I think so. So basically, they're on the run, changing their identities. But it turns out, and Sharon slash Heather only finds this out when she uncovers her dad Christopher slash Harry's secret spooky creepy box, which is filled with bits and pieces all pertaining to her true identity and her origins on in Silent Hill. And the reason they're on the run is because he is trying to protect her from the Order of Valatiel, 
who are pursuing her because they want her back in Silent Hill, because they need her in order to break the curse so that they can be free. Because although she is the good part of Elessa, it seems like even though what happened at the end of the first film should have stopped everything from happening and that was meant to be the end there are still mad cultists trapped in silent hill who still want to fuse good alessa and dark alessa uh so that they can bring about the reincarnation of their new god so they need good alessa this sounds like just a minute (laughs) you can't say no repetition I think I've repeated a lesser ever. All right. Sharon and Harry. So anyway. No, I'm really, no, I applaud. I'm applauding this. So I think, that, I think you're, that, you're, that's, you're right. So that that's where they're at. So she doesn't know any of this. Um, oh, obviously yeah, she has convenient amnesia. She doesn't remember. Well, no. So what happened was, what still okay. happened was, is there is this flashback where it's at the kind of in between the first film and this film where... Christopher sees his wife Rose in the mirror. She says she was able to send Sharon back to him because she has this magic seal and uh, only one of them could go. So she chose Sharon and Sharon needs to look after. And so Christopher, please look after Sharon. I am Rose is still stuck in Silent Hill when Rose disappears in the mirror. Sharon is back there. She doesn't remember anything. Christopher says, oh, you know, your mum's dead or whatever. She saved you. There was a car crash, kind of like, you know, she has some amnesia, so she doesn't know anything about what happened in Silent Hill. And she's carrying with her half of the seal. So So that's where we're at. Can we just pause you there for a minute? First of all, uh, I find it hilarious how Harry has this box full of clues to where she, where she, Heather will eventually need to go, and he just she recognizes the box. He hasn't hidden this box. She's like, I recognize that seal on the box when she discovers it, and much like it seems to be a trope, much like um, Lara Croft's dad in the recent Tomb Raider film. He does a video saying, "Don't go to this place. Do never, never go to this place." Of course, the character's going to go. So that's bad parenting. Yep. Uh, secondly, <laughs> I again I, in the, the entire first act, I was still operating on the assumption that Heather was like an entirely different person. So I had no idea this was a flashback. I thought Heather was Heather had gone to school this morning because that's where she's where she meets uh, a character called Vincent. But Heather Heather's at school, and while at home. Um, Harry gets a visitation from his dead question mark wife and then drops a little girl on his sofa. And so the next scene, I'm like, where's the little girl gone? <laughs> oh dear. And he's like, he does it. And, he, and like, um, Heather calls her dad because she thinks she's, thinks she, she thinks she's being followed. And Harry doesn't say, by the way, I've seen your mum. And, <laughs> or by the way, I've seen my ex. Oh, you know what? So it made a bit more sense. I gotta have to. You gotta have to watch the film a couple of times to appreciate it more. <laughs> I, I think it would have helped. Yeah, if the I would say the editing doesn't really do enough to position that moment with the mirror as being a flashback. It would have been better if, like, I don't know, Sean Bean had changed his hairstyle in the intervening years, and that would have clued you in a little bit more. 
It's funny you mention the hairstyle because during the commentary at this DVD scene, the director says that Sean Bean didn't want to wear a wig. Uh, she said that he has real problems with wigs, apparently. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> gosh, in like a year's time, you'll be in a big old wig for Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't. I It only really dawned on me at the end of the film that, oh, yeah, this is a Game of Thrones reunion with Kit Harrington and Sean Bean. I'm so hoping they'll share they sh- some time together. Barely do. Barely do. Yeah, but it's it's did. it's a tiny, tiny sliver. It's not the, enough. The director, director did say that I think Kit Harrington had just been cast in Game of Thrones. And, oh, wow. And yeah, I think the director was sort of freaking out because she's like a big fantasy fan as well. So it was like, <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. Um, cool. All right. Well, like we, we got through the first act. <laughs> um, but but I, yeah. I think. Go on. But yeah, so I, I think that kind of. The fact that the film is called Silent Hill Revelation is. is kind of a warning because it is a film which is just revelation after revelation and is it the singular well it's one big revelation i guess with lots of mini revelations um lots of fun size revelations (laughs) a big Um, bag of revelations (laughs) Mm, delicious oh gosh Um, lots of like secret brother revelations are left at the bottom of the bag i guess i'll take this one (laughs) Uh, coconut. Hey, honey. How was your day? I think there's someone following me. What do I do? Okay. Um, don't come back here. Not yet. I'll meet you somewhere. Um, Central Square Mall. I'm gonna give a sure. Okay, I'll meet you at the Happy Burger place. I'll be there as soon as I can. Do you think someone knows? No. No one knows. I'll see you soon. I love you, Dad. I love you, too. The the first half of the film, you know, is her being drawn towards Silent Hill, despite everyone telling her not to. Um, And... Part I of love, that is sorry. I love I love it when she gets back home because Harry's been kidnapped and there's a blood there's a bloody message on the wall saying "Come to Silent Hill" or something along those lines. And Vincent is like, "Is that blood?" <laughs> and, I mean, to be fair, she hasn't touched it, or but I just like no, it's just a pot of red paint is just right there. <laughs> and the sign is candle lit and everything. I'd be like, uh, some, my my no, dad is just like a conceptual artist. There is some very odd dialogue in this. I mean, just it's not so much the dialogue; it is the like how it's delivered. By which I mean, um, like when Heather is looking for her dad, she's going "dad, dad," and then she goes up to like a tiny bedroom and shouts "dad, dad," like he's hiding in there, <laughs> like under the tiny kid's bed. <laughs> And there's then... there's one bit um, when it's when she's at the school and she uh, the darkness like envelops her for I guess the sort of first time and her reaction to it is just like she's dropped her homework on the floor. She just goes, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, here's the thing. If I were taking the Mickey out of these performances a little bit, I don't think they are terribly bad i I don't i think 
having listened to this commentary, I feel like a real apologist now for a film I don't actually like. But I feel there is a very much a victim of circumstance kind of thing here where they had a little less money, a little less time. Um, I Bizarrely, they seem to have filmed a lot of this um, in exteriors in like hard daylight. And so like in the foggy sequences, like just beyond the fog, they're like people like doing their shopping and things down the high street. <laughs> you, could, you know, it's and apparently it was very hard to like rotoscope the fog around like people in broad daylight because there's hair strands and all this shizzle. So, um, so what I'm trying to say, I, I don't think like Kit Harrington or Carrie Ann Moss or um, Sean Bean are, are really kind of bad. I just, I just, you don't have much to work with. <laughs> it's, it's quite difficult i mean there's a scene when kit harrington is he seems to like repeat half the things the protagonist says it's like she says oh this sounds like a doomsday count and he goes yeah sounds like it <laughs> it's like yeah thanks for your contribution there vincent <laughs> uh yeah I, I i i think there's like there's pockets where it kind of hints at what could have been if the film had like a bit more time and, and actually like this film is like half an hour shorter than the first film. And we talked about the first film already feeling overstuffed. And I think this film also feels sort of overstuffed, but then underdeveloped at the same time. Um, it's like stuffing it in the wrong places, <laughs> um, you know, all the kind of plot, because there's like when she goes to the school for the first time and she has to introduce herself in front of the class and like, I liked the kind of speech she gives about how, you know, I'm used to this. Like, I don't care. No one speak to me because I'm not going to, I'll have moved on by the time you no, even nobody, show any interest. Do you think nobody instant message or tweet me or Facebook me? I, I felt a real like early, when was this? 2012. Sorry. If I, I was going to say early 2000s, but I just love how I think one of Kit Harrington's pickup lines was, do you Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so then I meet somebody next. I'm gonna be like, "Do you Facebook? I am me. Instant message me. We can hook up." Um. So yeah, there's 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 little bits and pieces here and there which, you know, suggest some, you know, quality more quality material trying to kind of break out uh, from the framework. And and like, I I think, um. I also sort of picked up on uh, the kind of like interaction between Papa Bean and his daughter at the start when it's probably like the only time that we're allowed to be like nice. <laughs> like, you know, it's the only bit where there's like some nice sort of stuff happening. But I did sort of make a note that he says to her, your roots are showing, which could be talking just about her hair, but also her roots Ooh, where mm. she came from, Silent Hill. I hate film criticism because you can <laughs> flip and... I mean, I did film at university, but the more I look at film criticism, the more I see you can read anything into everything. And, you know, I do believe, especially horror, all horror is political and all all films have something to say, really, even the most stupidest ones. But at the same time, I've read some deep dives into completely meaningless stuff. So you're probably right, Rory, about the roots. But at the same time, I hate you for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, should we just talk about, like, maybe the first sort of, like, the pre-Silent Hill 
horror stuff because you mean the first well, half of the film like she well, enters silent hill 40 minutes in I think just like in terms of there's like just just a few things which I let, let's talk about things I enjoyed. Yeah. Before we I kind liked, of wade I into liked, the I liked how a bum she encounters has the face of a bum as in a bum <laughs> face. <laughs> she has all these hallucinations. And like you know, I know it's not PC to call somebody a bum, but I just thought it was really funny how there's this vagrant outside her school and she looks down and she sees a vision of him where he's got an ass crack running down the length of his face. <laughs> so that's, that's a plus in my book. The film sort of kits off with, uh, you know, it's rep- reprised at the end, but she has this dream within a dream uh, sort of uh, premonition or flashback, a sort of combination of things uh, where she's being chased around a uh, abandoned amusement funfair thing with you know creepy clown entrance and stuff and then there's uh the robbie the rabbit who's appears in silent hill 3 who's like the mascot uh-huh. of the amusement park is this sort of pink rabbit which appears with sort of blood-stained mouth I but think um, going for like an alice in wonderland thing again i'm like oh for fuck's sake yeah um Horror. and like our good old friend red pyramid pyramid head is like operating the carousel for some reason <laughs> um but uh, it's a I good didn't... job. <laughs> you know, it's, it's honest, carny life. You. Wife and kids who have got different shaped heads. Like <laughs> oh, cube, little oblong. Yeah, you know. There's... Actually, did you watch it to the very end? Because yes. in the credits, they just include this one shot of Pyramid Head walking, walking somewhere. And I'm like, is he walking home <laughs> like, to, his, to his house? To his big Clocking pyramid off after of... a hard day's scaring. Yeah, oh, these kids, these kids, they have no respect. Barely any bondage gear on. It's just ridiculous. But that's the thing. So, like, uh, on this spooky fun fair, uh, she is, like, hanging out with the carousel horses, but then they turn into these, like, bondage freaks, uh, mm-hmm. all kind of, like, strung up and bound and gagged. And, well, that made me laugh. I mean, it's it's meant to be it's meant to be ooh chilling, but it's also very silly. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think Silent Hill is like a rare video game franchise which deals with sort of sex, does it? Or like or sexual desire and lust and sin and things like that. And much like I fear this is going this is what's going to happen with like the new Hellraiser film just coming out which I think has been written by David S. Goyer. I think they're going to take the aesthetics of Hellraiser and just strip out like the sex aspect. And I feel this was a fairly desexualized version of Silent Hill. I mean, you've got the busty um, nurses and mm. you even have like a completely naked lady turning into a mannequin, which I don't think the nudity was gratuitous. I think it was like it's a kind of horrific little moment. I think, but yeah, it can't be denied that a lot of this film is maybe a bit unintentionally funny. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I, I think just like that mannequin sequence um, when she's in silent, when uh, just jumping forward, Heather is in Silent Hill and she heads she 
tries to get to safety, she goes to the safest place possible, which is a spooky mannequin warehouse. Um, I'm looking and... forward to owning a mansion and having my own mannequin wing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's one of um, but in this mannequin warehouse. It starts off quite creepy because suddenly she sees a mannequin wrapped in plastic and it's breathing and you can see the plastic going up and down, up and down. And then it turns its head and it's got like googly eyes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't notice and, the googly eyes. And then, um, yes, you have the woman who gets mannequin-fied and there's another one trapped in a web which has been created by a spider monster made completely out of mannequin parts mm. and it looks so unthreatening <laughs> well i think the the jerky movement and in conception it's a really good idea but it is the only full fully digital creature in this and it's not very good and then the spider rips off the head of the formerly naked now Forming naked lady, now fully mannequinized person, rips off the mannequin's head, pulls the head to the, towards the 3D camera, and then the face kind of, kind of like I don't know, it looks a bit like Tweety Pie, and his big eyes open and it screams. Yeah, it looks <laughs> a bit like the the robots from iRobot. It's pretty pretty fake, and you know, I did it again. Enjoyed the commentary where the director was like, "Oh, 3D." I mean, they actually were taking the Mickey out of like. They kept calling it like cheap 3D gags. Oh, something's jumping at me. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I kind of enjoyed. I kind of enjoyed that. But um, there's definitely a lot of like fingers being sliced and being flung into the yes. screen, or like a knife being stabbed into someone's eye hole in their face mask. But it's from a yeah. POV perspective, so you know the gags have not changed since the 80s. No, I guess one thing I want to address is maybe the differences between Silent Hill or slash the darkness in this and the darkness in the first film. Because I really got the impression, and I might have been incorrect because, as I've said, I've not watched the games or played the games even. Um, I got the impression that everyone in Silent Hill was sort of trapped in a perpetual limbo and had been perhaps here like f for decades. In this version... We've got people walking into Silent Hill and getting trapped in like the web of the mannequins. Um, the, the the girl who was stuck in the web, she's called Suki, and she says, "You know, we drove in here and we've been we've been stuck and we need to get out." That was my friend who's turned into a mannequin, and then she's quickly dispatched. Um, I looked her up on the internet. She's she's called Heather Marks as the actress, and she currently lives in Greenwich Village with her English bulldog Otis. So that's what Google said um so anyway we've got people straying into silent hill to be attacked but there also seems to be like an, an infinite number of residents in silent hill because like literally the asylums are stuffed with people who get their arms ripped you know chopped off by red pyramid there's like it's you know when vincent gets taken to like an operating theater and there's like the dark nurses all about the place both brethren people who have taken Vincent there get killed by the dark nurses. And I thought, so does somebody die like every time they 
encounter that darkness. Just, just sloppy, just sloppy. I know, they, they have these cattle prods, and so you certainly get the impression that they actually deal with the monsters quite a lot on a regular basis. Um, but they it just seems like everyone was dying all the time. And I was like, how 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 many people live here? And just on top of that, I mean, we talked about the first act. I mean, I say it takes like 40 minutes to get to Silent Hill, but they kind of cheat this in a way because the darkness is trying to get at Sharon. There's actually quite a few moments when the darkness just appears completely unannounced around her. But there's something about that siren and there's something about sort of rules that make horror that much better and it seems to me just a little bit it's i think there's i think there's something tense about knowing you just have to survive until the siren goes off again you know what i mean if if there's if monsters can appear at random and then sort of like she's in the elevator at one point there's a detective called douglas who i recognized the actor was Blah, blah, blah. Martin Donovan. I'm sure I've seen him in other things. He's best known for. Uh, oh no, <laughs> he's in Tenant. Uh, he's the guy who says Tenant in the trailer. That's what I'm mostly known for the trailer <laughs> Tenant. <laughs> anyway, um, so he's a detective who has been sort, who has been tasked to find Sharon, but he has a change of heart, and he says, "I'm not going to work for this cult." And then he's immediately dispatched by a monster, which has come from the darkness but if the darkness is just in heather's head then who killed him it sort of well maybe it was her in her madness i think it implies because they sort of talk about it later on because they say oh the darkness is here in a kind of more permanent basis because unless is getting closer Mm. um so it's kind of like i guess meant to be like the darkness is sort of with her um, but I, yeah, I just... it is it is kind of a little bit, you know, it, it doesn't have that. I mean, I, I kind of said in the first thing that I sort of feel like the fact that there is this kind of darkness and that it dissipates is like you just have to wait it out and then everything's hunky-dory again is a little bit actually not as threatening as something that could get you at any time. But then if you're going to make these rules, then it seems like this film is always trying to like bend and break them as soon as it's made them or it's yeah, it's think... like trying to wriggle its way out of stuff that it has done itself by trying to overcomplicate things and that's why you get these heavy expedition dumps where it's like we have so many questions we need to answer them all but mm. the answers don't really make any sense so whatever no. and i know this is from the games i believe but i think when you start to have like i said i got the impression silent hill in the first film was limbo but in this film we seem to have like kit harrington's character vincent he's been born and raised in silent hill so time is not it's not a fixed time point it is go time carries on as normal apparently in silent hill and then people can leave if doing a sacrifice but the sacrifice seems to be like getting a tattoo or something uh (laughs) like like a big belly sort of scarring and you know what i would have that done if i could leave limbo (laughs) It seems just, and you know, I think the true goal of this uh, cult isn't necessarily just to leave. They do want to sort of take over the world, purge of sin and all that stuff. But I just think, I think it sort of feels slightly in conflict with itself and like the rules 
and what I liked about the first film's interpretation of Silent Hill. But, you know, I just think it's it's a little bit too fuzzy in that regard. Yes, but without bending these rules and having the darkness appear willy-nilly, um, it would have deprived us of the joy of watching a children's birthday party of little <laughs> girls eating gore burgers. <laughs> I did appreciate the burgers. So like these, these hallucinations continue throughout the start of the film. She, Heather, arranges to meet Vincent at the mall. No, his dad. She oh, of course. So she so she arranges to meet her dad at the mall because she's getting a bit weirded out because she's being followed by Detective Douglas. Why is Vincent there again? Does he just happen to be at the mall? He happens to be there, but only at the end after she's yeah. escaped. She's escaped. There's a her, the, the mall becomes a crime scene. She's having these hallucinations. I'm getting all mixed up here. Okay, I'm afraid. But yes, one of the hallucinations is kids in um animal makeup at a party or something and they're eating bloody burgers and then she escapes into the back of the burger restaurant and there's a man upside down being sliced up like a shish kebab and they're making burgers um ugh, burgers <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that you mentioned um, child, uh, children's face paint because in her nightmares where she has the darker lesser confronting her the face paint, so Adelaide Clements, who plays Heather, also plays the sort of grown-up darker lesser, and she's kind of been emo Peter Parkered up. I know. Um, but she's been given this kind of like white face paint, but then they've kind of painted her lips black, but mm. then they've painted the bit under her nose black too, so she looks like a child's face paint of like a dog. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but I did find it interesting that, you know, it's it's a funny line when you're dealing with like undead makeup and this is meant to be that their skin is so pallid and white and their lips are like colorless but no she she gets up in the morning um sets fire to like a school full of children um crucifies a whole bunch of nurses or something and then she puts on her makeup and then she has bacon and eggs <laughs> um no but i know but do people eat in silent hill i mean this is what i'm getting at if if well we talked about this in the last episode oh, sorry. they were scavenging for food and you know you said do they eat and i was like no they they literally said we need to scavenge for food i know it's just like the film ends like sean bean they he's rescued but then he turns around and says i need to find rose within silent hill and he walks off into the fog and then just picture him like an hour later be like god i wish i'd brought like a tracker bar or something <laughs> <laughs> like i wish i bought some food um what do people eat around here as like flesh burgers made out of people it's like okay um like do you like with cheese or pickle <laughs> <laughs> can i get some fries with that um it's weird it is a bit of a k thanks by ending um because it is like so the reason why Heather is finally returns or goes to Silent Hill despite her dad saying no is because her dad has been taken and it's a you know it's a trap it's you know your your typical trap 101 um but yeah at the end when he's just like oh actually I'm going to stay here because I want to look for my wife your mother um and it's a bit like, okay, I get it, but why did we even come here in the first place then? Mm. Um, 
but I guess like, we'll find out in the third film where he's just like 90 minutes of him shouting Rose and then like <laughs> minute 89 she's like here I am cool credits do you have another do you have another seal to get us out nope nope <laughs> all right why don't we just tattoo ourselves to get out oh no we killed everyone who knew about that <laughs> I don't know god thing I mean this film ends I mean we've got more to say about the film but like it ends with like now Heather and Vincent taking a trucker from a man who announces his name <laughs> because he's from the games and then the truck drives away and then cop cars go in with like a prison truck which apparently is a reference to Silent Hill Downfall and I'm like okay great great yeah alright whatever I don't get this at all. <laughs> well, what are you uh, completely separate from the games, which I know is the point of the podcast, but these films, have, we've, we say before, these films have to exist as films. What are you trying to say with a film that ends with cop cars and a prison truck going into Silent Hill? I just, whatever. But, and also it's like the end of the film, the fog is dissipated, they leave, cop cars go in and the fog comes back. It's like... Does it does it just like change depending on who goes in there? Is it like I mean, oh now cops are here, so we need to start the nightmare off again? I mean the fact that I think it's sort of implying that Silent Hill never truly goes. It is kind of like a perpetual hellish limbo, which just makes it really hilarious that there's like a motel just down the road. <laughs> it's like well, it was the last stop until hell. <laughs> Don't know. She's like oh, you're going to Silent Hill? Personal nightmare? Great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, put your name, address, and your you know, I think it's what was it like um the last episode of Dead Space. What is your number one fear? It's like that's a bit strange, but it's um <laughs> fog. <having> st- fog. <laughs> oh mist I uh, could deal with. Fog, no way. But I, I think we I, I will say though it was it was both a relief and a disappointment that we didn't see any more of those shitty cops because <laughs> They like there's this like it's change after the mall sequence where they're like they found Heather's jacket and they're on her trail and then it follows up with them going to her house and seeing like the bloody message come to Silent Hill and it they're just like very like there's something very off about these performances like real try hard detectives oh and I, I kind of gonna... like I kind of like missed like a section of them being like <laughs> chased around a spooky hospital and. I don't know, getting their I, arms sliced off and flying into the screen in 3D. I thought you were going to talk about, I think, their introduction when one of the cops walks out of the mall with, like, a bloody jacket in hand and says, should I take this to forensics? And, like, where did you... F- you don't pick up a bloody jacket from a crime scene and bring it outside <laughs> to, to show your partner. You leave it inside for the forensics team to arrive. It's like, and it's wow. Great- there's a lot of cop DNA all over this coat. <laughs> and it's great that they loudly announced the name of the victim, like right in front of a crowd of flipping hair. of like people by the ambulance. It's like, you know how they put a little tent over like crime scenes to protect people? This is like a big top circus tent where it's like, everyone come see this, <laughs> um, I don't know, bad police work, I suppose. Yeah, it's funny but... how they disappear. It'd be nice to have seen them like... I don't know. I'm just trying. We're trying to come up with a concept of like looking for donuts in Silent Hill. <laughs> well, you know, we had the cop in the first film, I suppose. You should never have come back because now you've given the order what they could never have. 
only to destroy Alessa and you. Where is my father? There is nothing you can do to save him without damning yourself. I don't care. Just tell me what you know. I know the darkness is coming. It's safer to be inside. Run! Run! But I, I guess we'll just talk a little bit about, you know, her finally getting to Silent Hill and the she's in she's been pursued by cops and she asks Vincent, can you drive? I need your help and cut to them driving on the way to Silent Hill. And it's later revealed, not much later, but it is revealed that Vincent was Silent Hill born and raised and I thought you were going to go into like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air then. <laughs> As in Silent Hill, born and raised in the, I don't know, playground where I was chased around. <laughs> That's why we're not Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so he reveals this and he says that he's had a change of heart and he doesn't want anything to happen to her. So why doesn't he say, no, I can't drive? I think he only decides that she's not demon spawn. So, I mean, here's the thing. He, just furthermore, like his whole life, he's been sort of taught to believe that Heather, the sort of the other half of Alyssa, the demon spawn, he's led to believe that Heather is also evil and must be brought back to Silent Hill to be joined with Alyssa to bring about their God to come. Um, But, he believes she he he kind of see he spends like an afternoon with her and now thinks that she's like the bee's knees and i think it's probably only when he gets to the hotel that he feels comfortable enough to tell her but i find it quite interesting how both vincent and this detective douglas were both sent out to retrieve heather and like somehow just her amazingly wonderful goodness made them think you know what i'm gonna not do my job (laughs) But I feel like with the detective, it was more like he didn't realize who was looking for her. He didn't realize the employer. And then he was just like, the order of the Valatil, those guys, like he knows them. (laughs) It's just like, oh, shit. Let me just check my big book of who not to do jobs for. Oh, (laughs) Christ, it's you. (laughs) Do not. Don't call uh... this number again. (laughs) There's just a picture of... um... Claudia, the carry on mouse character, is just like, do not accept jobs from this woman. <laughs> well, it's really annoying because, like, he's the top hit on Google, and like, all the time he's getting like requests from demon cults to retrieve people. It's like, oh, just anyone else, please. Um, right. But yes, so, <laughs> so yes, like, so he, he decides beautiful Kit Harrington, who acts totally unlike he's been brought up by an evil cult. Um, suddenly decides to be a goodie yeah let's go with that and there's this massive exposition thing where she's asking all these questions and he's answering them as best as he can and then like the neighbor, two the neighboring hotel room the neighboring hotel is like keep it down in there <laughs> <laughs> oi i can hear all the darkness ripping off the walls <laughs> keep yeah, it geez. down in there 
Ah. Oh. So the darkness comes, and then Vincent is also taken, so now she's got even more reason to come to Silent Hill. And once she gets there, she meets Dahlia, who was in the first film. She I thought this was a different actress. Mother. No, it's oh, the same actress. Same actress, but looks completely different. Well, she's not got crazy hair. She's got a... around 10, 11 years have passed, let's say. <laughs> a lot can change. Basically, Heather's mission is to find her father, who is located in the sanctuary underneath the amusement park. But also, she needs to get the other half of the seal, which has been held by Vincent's grandfather, Leonard Wolf, in Brookhaven Asylum. And Leonard is played by Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> I really appreciate your voice because in the commentary for direct, I sorry I keep reading the commentary, but it's a it's a rare privilege to read this to the commentary of a film we're doing because we usually stream them or whatever. But the director said that um, they did ADR for Malcolm McDowell, temp ADR for Malcolm McDowell, and when Malcolm McDowell came in to to do his ADR, he was like, "What what what's wrong with this line?" And Vajero's like, well, it's not you speaking. Their impression was so good. Okay. <laughs> well, I, th- I think... I, I think um, so Malcolm McDowell in this... I, he's, he's either the best thing or the worst thing. It's, it's, it's very much panto villain cackling. And he's in it for like an afternoon's worth of work. And probably mm. the same with Carrie-Anne Moss. It was like hair, makeup go and then i know for a fact that don't see them i know for a fact that the actress who played rose in the first film was there for a morning of this film which i yeah. think is a bit disappointing i wonder if that was a choice or legit or logistical reason who knows anyway yeah malcolm but I, I, I think the sort of balance of this film is also in this performance where there is a difference between ripe and juicy <laughs> and corny and cheesy and it's a very fine line. And, you know, over the top is always better than middle of the road. But I also sort of think that it's good that this film, you know, the best kind of bad entertaining movie is because the film takes itself seriously. And also, you know, like a good entertaining movie, you know, if it takes itself sort of seriously, it's not wink, wink the whole time. But also this film is so kind of like silly in parts that I just kind of wish it dialed it up a little bit more and that it just kind of lets it rip like just a bit more. It's like, you know, all the kind of creepiness and genuine horror of the first film is gone. So make this one as tongue in cheek and ludicrous as you can. And I think it still is trying to be like legit when it should just quit because there's, I mean, you, you don't, have Malcolm McDowell say a line like, I was master of the order. How could I not know the seal of Metatron? <laughs> and like, not leave a pause for audience laughter. I don't know. I get where you're coming from, but I think it would have been maybe too much of an ask to have this sequel to go full camp. I would have liked it, but. But also, I mean... like, there's the throne that Sean Bean is imprisoned upon. It mm-hmm. looks like a giant muscular liquor from Resident Evil 2. And I he's think like supposed sort of... to be the gods they're worshipping. Okay. Regardless, it looks stupid. And he's like <laughs> dangling from it, sort of chained up, with this expression that could be like 
sort of dazed and confused and also like Sean being the actor thinking what the fuck am I doing here I think it's Sean being the actor having his hands up for an entire day like chained up and like he's got no blood in his hands <laughs> um but yeah there's like these little bits where it's just like and like you know Carrie Ann Moss's whole look is wild mm. and you just kind of sort of think you know you've clearly all the sort of pretense of sort of quality horror entertainment is out the window now so just lean into it more and I just don't think it does that enough which is sad because I'd rather have spent this film because this film wasn't scary in the slightest like at all there's like some gross stuff you know some gore which is you know cool whatever nightmarish monsters yeah nice um but it's it's never like gets under your skin in any in any way so just make it like the 3d ride uh through hell that you you sell it to be one the one of the features on the dvd is like a promo for universal orlando's halloween horror nights which were doing silent hill that year Uh so um you only could find the first half of this promo on youtube but the second half is like the star of this film being sort of taken around and screaming her lungs out like she's got like (laughs) like pyramid heads like bursting out of a wall and just reaching for her and she's like i mean i would love to include it on this video on this um podcast but like you just burst your eardrums (laughs) just (laughs) shrieking um so i think that would probably be the more enjoyable experience relating to this film perhaps more what you're looking for it's she probably like is more scared in that than how she acts with any of the scary stuff in this film. also corrupted by the same darkness. I am looking for my father. Is he lost? He's in Silent Hill. Oh, there are many Silent Hills. Are you sure it's this one? Vincent said you know how to Vincent, the little traitor. My own flesh and blood turned against me. Listen, you may be able to hear the cries of his torment. He's here? Where else would you go to mend your mind? Like yours is? Ah, I'm just an ongoing project. I have half of this. Will it help me? Lisa, I am blind, child. I cannot see what you have there. Place it in my hand. And I will try to help you. Don't be afraid. Come on. 
<laughs> you know what it is. I was the master of the order. <laughs> How could I not know the seal of Metatron? It was stolen from me and used by her to escape with the child. Without it, we cannot summon the guard. It is a key. What does it unlock? The true nature of things. Like so, she has this tiny scene with um, Leonard, who, in sort of a Fifth Element sort of way, has like the second half of the seal inside him for some reason. <laughs> he stuffs Heather's half inside him, connecting the seal. He turns into a big monster. I think he's only ever a big monster in the game, but they wanted him to sort of wax lyrical uh, before the change. See, she gets chased. She does she? Well, no. She gets picked up, and then with ex, with in this sort of um, pitch meeting style, super easy, barely an inconvenience sort of way, she just pulls out the seal from his tummy, and he sort of turns into a sort of smoke. Yep. Yep. That's that's the easiest boss battle ever. <laughs> and then she is surrounded by other people in this asylum. And then she's locked screaming for help, and then Pyramid Head shows up and cuts all the arms off. And that's a lot of fun. <laughs> it know. is a bit like, why not maybe yeah. don't stit them out? <laughs> no one's mating you. I don't think you can even see Pyramid Head until like the blade is coming down. <laughs> yeah, so, but after like the first like... few people have had their arms cut off and screaming maybe just like oh actually i think i'll keep my arms to myself you literally have no peripheral vision through the hole you're reaching your hands out but you i'll just fall hear... back thinking that's disappointing you hear thunk <laughs> ah plop i guess so again i just i'm trying to work out if like the people in silent hill just uh, will now exist there forever without any arms or will they bleed out and die or maybe they'll become like the armless monsters go Ooh. oh yeah well that's a career change but i'll do i'll go with it <laughs> it's I, uh... an upgrade downgrade yeah. <laughs> it says here you're trapped in like a infernal asylum for like 10 years yeah but i'm moving into more like of a headless acid spitting beast territory now <laughs> <laughs> It's never too late for a career change. Exactly. The thing is, um, Pyramid Head is the guardian of Elissa, and then and therefore he's actually the guardian of Heather. I don't think we really realise this in the Asylum sequence yet. There's actually the film culminates in a sort of Soul Calibur style fight between <laughs> Pyramid Head and the true form of. Uh, Claudia. Claudia, who just side note is like the sister of the villainess from the first film, but whatever. Yeah. There's two <laughs> secret evil cults. I mean, I think Hamish, our, our brother, pointed out to me that like the Marvel Cinematic Universe has like so many secret organizations controlling the world right now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like pretty true, but yeah, there's, there's apparently two cults, and this one is Carrie Ann Moss's cult, and she's basically like a uh, Cenobite dominatrix bladed character bladed character um i know she's got a name the missionary the missionary because she goes out there and does stuff she goes out there and has conventional sets 
<laughs> well, in the world of Silent Hill, probably just on top is the most it's deviant behavior. Deviant behavior, the missionary position. Yeah, it's very much like a shitty extreme PS1 fighting game or like CD-ROM sort of game when the ring turns to fire in the sanctuary mm. and they have like the most awkward monster fist fight since Resident Evil Apocalypse. Yeah, neither actor can see each other. <laughs> so I don't know why people make horror films. I think the most horrific thing which could happen is like a fight between two monsters. <laughs> <laughs> but ooh, chilling. But you know, um, Pyramid Head is victorious, and despite the fact that he like rips a woman's skin off and does all sorts of terrible, terrible things in the first film, he's kind of like the hero now. <laughs> yeah, the... like he needs a redemption arc. I guess so. That flipping Raylo all over again. <laughs> I think we skipped up for a few things, but I think that's that's important stuff. Really, it's so. <laughs> What do we have any? Do we have any closing thoughts? Anything we've not mentioned yet? I, I don't really think so. I mean, I, I think there is so much exposition, and there is so much backstory, and so much explanation. And if we were to go into any more detail, we would tie ourselves up in as many knots as the film does. Mm. So, just be thankful that we're kind of skipping, <laughs> like as much of that as we can and focusing on the you know quote-unquote cool stuff um but yeah i i just think like the whole film is a pretty pointless exercise and like definitely you know you're not gonna seeing this film is not gonna give you any more sort of like closure from the first film because i think the first film actually has like a really strong ending and I don't Eerie. think this film, like, yeah, I don't think this film, like, ruins the first film because even though it's a direct sequel, what happens feels so, like, divorced from the events of that first film and the style of the first film. It's almost like taking place in a in a completely different reality, um, which is something they talk about. But, like, I wouldn't say, oh, if you loved Silent Hill you would tolerate Silent Hill Revelation. <laughs> um, maybe my defences were down. Maybe the spooky season spirit was in me. But I, I, I did semi-enjoy this film because some of its very silly stuff made me laugh a bit. <laughs> That's a very tempered um, assessment. It's not necessarily a recommendation, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes, and it, clearly this time, Silent Hill Revelation hits a sweet spot. Yeah, if it, it, it can elicit someone going, <laughs> then it's good in my book. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I'm having a fun time talking about it. Yeah, true. So, as I said earlier, I think I actually appreciate it a bit more after listening to that commentary. Um you know, the monster design is still good. The music from the video game is still good. It's kind of nice to see a horror film with a bit of gore in it. Um, but I kind of wonder what if the film being such a direct sequel is a plus or a minus. I wonder if they went down the sequel route of no characters from the first film at all. This was just another story for other people trapped in Silent Hill. I wonder if that would be stronger. And you can make Silent Hill 
the character rather than this this i, I guess again so confused by the start of this film and i don't know if i fully recovered <laughs> um so yeah i think i'm definitely talking about it as warm i have warmed to a bit more as well but i it just seems like a bit of a jumbled mess and you know i always like a film when it's just 90 minutes long but you said you weren't bored i was like when are we going to get to the Silent Hill in the fireworks factory? Or, <laughs> you know, it just took a long time to get there. But yeah, would I be interested in the third one? Um, probably not. But we can never really escape Silent Hill, can we? Ooh. It was in our hearts all along. It was. It was the Silent Hills we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Okay, well... Although we're coming to the end of spooky season, there will, of course, be more horrors to enjoy in future episodes. But in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with Games on Film? You can find out more about the podcast and video game movies on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. You can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. And we're also available on social media. We're on Twitter facebook and instagram where we share recent video game movie news and adjacent news nuggets <laughs> as well as bits and pieces about our episodes so please do follow us at games on film pod on all those social media platforms also on our website are links for where you can support the show and you can also find all episodes of the podcast on soundcloud acast spotify Apple Podcasts, indeed, wherever you get your podcasts. So please like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. I am on Twitter myself at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. So thanks very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Or hear you, I suppose. Or you'll hear us. That's how podcasts work. I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Drinking whiskey and rye. Singing this will be the day that I die. This will be the day that I die, die.